A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Mike. This is the right cop. All right. Sure. And a guy drinking a cup of coffee. It looked like he switched cups on me. <laughs> I don't really want to drink out of a cup someone else drank out of. No, definitely not. No sharing cups. I know in Tony's head, he always thought if, if he could get a, get a big trophy deer, his dad would love him. Did he photograph the evidence when he found it? No, it's, no, he didn't photograph it, nothing. I'm then able to create an interview and question him as to we found these casings in your back garden. Can you explain how they got there? To do it all then and there and completely wrong. Didn't want him to get in trouble and for people to think that he was killed over a drug deal gone bad. But why wouldn't they want the people to think that? I don't know, but I can speculate. Regardless of what they say, there's no way humanly possible that I could have taught myself how to beat a polygraph test from a manual downloaded from the internet in less than 48 hours. Hello, and welcome back to One Minute Remaining. My name is Jack Lawrence, the host and creator of this show. This is part five of my chat with Anthony Duke, the man arrested, tried and convicted for the murder of Ronald Hauser, a crime he has always maintained he's innocent of. If this is your first time listening to the show, well, time to hit that pause button, head on back and catch up. So before we get back into the weeds of this case, I believe we need some clarification on timelines. As I said at the very start of this show, this is your show. This is your chance to get involved if you think we're missing something or if something is not clear. Now, a few of our members in the closed Facebook group started a discussion the other day regarding the timeline of events and say they're a little bit confused. So it's my job to try and clear that up. So let's do it. Ronald Hauser was discovered dead at his home in the basement on the 31st of December after he'd not been returning any calls or messages. Police would say they believed he was killed at 9.26pm on the night of the 30th, that time, as we know, being based off his watch having stopped at this particular time. On the night of the 30th, Tony says he was with his girlfriend that night. An eyewitness places Tony at a gas station that afternoon. He says he can't recall the exact time, but he says it was getting dark. 
Now, in December in Michigan, the sun sets usually around 4.30pm in the afternoon. So it's safe to say, if this gentleman says it was getting dark outside, you would have to think it was around that time. The eyewitness also states that he invited Tony and Ashley to come to a party that night in Brighton. And he says he remembers seeing Tony at the party later on that evening. Tony states, then at 9 or 10 o'clock in the evening, he and Ashley return home and that is where they remain for the rest of the night. However, we know that Ashley would later testify that she cannot account for Tony's whereabouts on the night of the 30th, between 9 and 10pm. So in this particular case, it's very much a he says, she says. And we know Tony's opinion on what he believes is the reason that Ashley would say that. So police say Ronald Hauser is killed on the night of the 30th, when Ashley says between 9 and 10pm she can't account for Tony's whereabouts. The detectives say they believe Ronald Hauser was killed at 9.26pm on the 30th. He was then found the next day on the 31st. As we know from previous episodes, Tony tells us that police initially arrested his father over this case. A fact I am still unable to verify with the sheriff's office. I continue to try and contact the sheriff and detectives, but I have so far not been able to get a call back. Good afternoon, Louis. Go sheriff's office. How may I help you? Um, I was hoping to speak with uh, Michael Murphy. I have to transfer you to his assistant. Hold on. Thank, Thank you. you very much. You've reached with the Livingston County Sheriff's Office. Please I have also attempted to call Tony's father on numerous occasions. But again, I have not got a response. You've reached Jim Duke. Please leave a name and number and I'll get back with you as soon as I can. Thank you. Tony has told detectives that he will in no way testify against his father. Here's Tony on what happens next. You said also that detectives had suggested to you that they, you know, um, you need to help us against your father because they had suggested that he potentially been trying to set you up. So when you obviously refused and said, I'm not, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to testify against my father, well, what happens after that? He just said, that's a, a choice that I'm willing to make. He said, oh, he told me he hoped that it worked out for me. Then I think it was over a year later after I was violated, parole and maxed out and all that, they brought me back to the county jail saying I still owed them time for them firearm charges. They asked me one more time if what I wanted to do. I said, ain't nothing changed. And then the other detective called me out and told me I should have I cooperated and took the, took the deal that Klein offered me because everything that I gave Klein over the years to clear me, he uh, was going to use it to bury me, that I was going down for it that my record and everything I gave was going to be used against me. And that's exactly what ended up happening. So this, this year where, you know, you, you, you said you wouldn't testify against or you wouldn't help them against your father, what happened to your father? Was he, was he kept in jail or prison? Was, what, what happened to him? Was he out of prison? No, he was never. He was, from what I believe, he was let out the same day. Uh, March 30th, he was just detained and they had him locked up for several hours and once they decided to lock me up they let him go 
question I had for Tony was, at any stage, has he ever spoken to his father about any of this? I haven't talked to my father since Easter weekend of 2013. I got to talk to him for 10 minutes from prison, and I haven't talked to him since. Next time I and I called him because I seen a, a, a statement he made in a police report for them gun charges, and it was that if I if I didn't do this, then they needed to clear me of it and let me out. And that if I did do it, then I needed to be locked up. Something from that statement just resonated with me and I wanted to talk to him. How did that conversation go? Uh, it was basically, hi, hello. He told me how my sister was doing, my little brother was doing, how my little niece was, and more or less focused on them. I asked about them and that was it. He was going to the gas station, said to call back later, and well, he never answered. So Tony's being held in county jail. He's serving a nine-month sentence for violating his parole. He says while he was in jail, he was in fact contacted by one of the detectives. And then uh, a few months later, I got a letter from Klein stating his investigation into me was complete, get my trucks out of his impound, or he was going to auction them off. That nine months in the county jail for them gun charges was over. The hold for me was lifted out of lien. The MDOC sent me to Jackson County to do my last seven months till my max date, and then they picked me up, telling me I had... Livingston County picked me up like six hours before I was going to be released saying I owed them time for them gun charges. And then they they just stood on the fact that it was consecutive to a parole violation. But if it was consecutive to the whole parole violation, how come I only had four months left to do on a nine-month sentence? And why did they lift the hold? I filed paperwork where they filed that April of that year, they filed paperwork on me to make sure that I didn't get released so that they could come and get me. There was no warrant. There was no hold on me until a week, two weeks before I was to be released again. So I've come up against a lot of brick walls while looking into this particular case. Lots of people have told me things, but not many are willing to go on the record. One gentleman I did speak to is a deputy who knows Tony. He says on the day that Tony was to be released, he called Livingston County to make sure they had no outstanding warrants or need for Tony. Like when he got arrested and he was, I think he violated probation or something. Yes. He was, he was in, uh, I believe it was Jackson. Um, at the, at the prison there. And he was due to get released. So I called, uh, Livingston County mm. and uh, you know I told him who I was and uh, asked if there was any holds or anything on, uh, on uh, Tony they checked they said no get good to get released and then instead of him getting released from Jackson Livingston picked him up and they took him into custody Did that seem odd to you at all? Yeah yeah I thought it was So before we wrapped up our call I wanted to ask the deputy, as someone who's known Tony for some time, what does he think of the man? And does he in fact believe that he could be guilty of this crime? Tony, he's a little rambunctious, you know, but... Yeah. He's a, he's a good kid. Because he was, he was always busy, you know, like, you know, working, plowing snow, cutting grass. I mean, he was always working. He was working for his money. 
yeah, it just doesn't add up to me. But, um, but yeah, I know he, like I said, he worked real hard. He was always out, like I said, plowing snow or I think he was landscaping. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he got a couple contracts to do like like snow removal. I, I'm not sure if it was like through a township or the county, mm. but uh, but he was out there doing, you know, doing the right thing. So, um, you know, because I've been a deputy for 22 years and it just seemed it odd to me. But th- yeah, this is not Tony. So Tony's eventually told that he would be charged with the murder of his former friend, Mr. Ronald Hauser. Then they got me there. I did that time. They harassed me a couple times and left it alone. Officers that worked in the jail just told me that I'm only there to to try to tell them something. They're just trying to scare me and they know I didn't do it. They just want some information. They want, they need me to help them solve the case. I said, I don't know what, I can't help them solve the case. They said, we know. They said, well, in 2012, when you were in here for them nine months fighting that case, you were under investigation. Every phone call you made, we had to note the date, the time, everything. Everyone you talked to, they had us listening to the speaker that's in your room to see what she was talking about. And they said, when you come back this time, they didn't inquire. They didn't have us reaching in, trying to get on you, trying to see what you were doing. They already know that you're just trying to go home and you ain't got nothing to do with it. They already knew that. And then when they charged me with the murder, six days before they were going to release me from the little four months I had left to serve, they uh, some COs were crying. They said, this was crazy. This, you were supposed to go home. This, this, maybe it's one last, one last pull of the straw to try to get you to help them. If you know something, let them know. Otherwise, just chill and you'll go home when you go home. I didn't go home. I went before a judge and was charged and arraigned and got told I was going down for it. There's nothing I could do. I had my chance and it's over with. Everyone I ever knew, everything I ever did. It's going to be used again, and it was. So, as I'm sure you can imagine, after being told that he's being officially charged with murder, it hits Tony like a ton of bricks. I just kind of lost it. It was just a, a moment of disbelief. I couldn't believe it was real, because I shouldn't have been there. I shouldn't have been doing it. I couldn't even answer the judge. When he asked if I understood what was being read to me, I fell against the wall because uh, I was to be released. And then they come and got me saying I owe time. Then I was to be released again. And then they charged me with the murder. It's just, it's, they kept me from my people and turned everyone against me. It just felt like the whole world was against me. I, I don't, there was, I didn't know what to think. I didn't know what to believe. Knowing what I know about the county, life was over. Life was over. There wasn't wasn't nothing I could do or would be able to do. They, They didn't charge me until after they got a new prosecutor. New uh, sergeants and lieutenants in the sheriff's department. They had a 
a whole new administration come in. The old administration wasn't going to follow through with any charges yeah. because they still they still had some integrity. But the new young guys, they didn't care. I I know officers that blatantly told me they know I didn't do it, but they're using my record against me. That they had to make a name for themselves. And that was the perfect one with the perfect case against me to do it. I had jail deputies break out crying when I was charged with it. So Tony is charged with the murder, but it would seem it would take some time to get the case into court, as there was apparently an issue with getting a lawyer to take Tony's case. How long after being told that um, was it before you actually ended up um, in court over it? Well, I was arraigned over a camera, so I seen that I was before a judge on a video conference. And then I would say wasn't but a week or two. I was in front of a judge in the courtroom trying to figure some stuff out. They actually had a breakdown in the public defender system where every attorney that was appointed the case quit, conflicted off. Why did they quit? I mean, they didn't want to try the case. They didn't want no part of it. Because they believed it they to were, be a bogus were, case. Yeah. They knew what was going on. They, they knew... Because they all have lunch together. They all know the prosecutors, the court-appointed attorneys. This case wasn't wasn't new. It was years old. They knew that investigation into me already took its course and that I was clear of any wrongdoing or any involvement. They all knew that. Here's Tony's mum, Jamie, on a call she received after her son had been charged with the murder. I had one of my dearest friends, sister-in-law, was the clerk of that county for over 30 years. And she, she called my friend and she told him, you better tell her to get him a good lawyer. They want to hang him. That's why no lawyer in the county would touch it. They made out like they were going to call every single person in the county, 150 witnesses. They didn't call 10. You know what I mean? It was all set up from the beginning. So how long was it before they found someone who was willing to take on the case? couple of months and the, the judge appointed an attorney who I later found out got a uh, contract representing youthful offenders in the county for drug court. The judge that appointed him has actually retained him a number of times for her own son. He's represented her own son a handful of times. The judge's son? The judge's son. The judge that called and appointed my trial attorney has hired him, retained him, had him on retainer. I don't know if she had him on retainer at this particular time, but she has retained him a handful of times for her own son. In fact, the day after my preliminary exam, there was another fellow that went for a preliminary exam on a CSC charge. She dismissed his case. I think he he was best friends with her son, and my attorney represented him as well. Right. He came up to me, and he's like, you got a good attorney. He knows what he's doing. He's like, don't try to compare yourself to me. He says, I grew up with this lady. I know her. 
your attorney's been representing her son for a long time and gotten us out of a lot of things. So let, let nature take its course and let him do what he does. Jamie also has her own opinion on Tony's eventual representation, especially as we discuss the issue around the supposed collection of key evidence from Tony's yard. He's inside my backyard walking around and walks in my house and holds his hand out and pulls out some kind of sabot or something and says, oh, what's this? I found it over there in the backyard. Is that protocol? Well, you this found is, evidence yeah, and I know. picked it up with your hand? Yeah, it's ridiculous. None I, of that ever got to be brought up in trial. No, and that's what I said to Tony. Lawyer, I said, I'm not, I'm not a detective, but if you find, supposedly find sabots that you believe could have something to do with a murder case, you don't just pick them up in your hand, put them in your pocket, and then walk in there and say, oh, are these yours? But you present this as evidence in a trial, yeah. and a lawyer doesn't stand up and say, how did you obtain it? Yeah. Where are the photos of it on the property? Where did you find it? Yeah. No, because that lawyer is a piece of crap. And I can give you somebody else's phone number who came to that trial, drove 50 miles to come to that trial and sat next to me and said, your son is screwed. I gave that man $25,000. And two weeks before my trial, he fired me. <laughs> yeah. The, the, oh, yeah. So- Small towns. Horrible places. So we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, we'll discuss more claims from former friends of Tony's. Not only that, while doing this story, rumours have been flying at me thick and fast regarding certain detectives in this case. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Well, as always, a massive thank you for all your support with this show and for everyone who has rated and reviewed us. As you know, One Minute Remaining now has a Patreon where you can support the show and get extra bonus content, like my chat with former corrections officer Richard Dobson. He was first he was pepper sprayed and it didn't do anything. It didn't bother him at all. And then they tased him and then he starts spitting on the cops and they put a mask over him, a spit mask. It's it's net, right? Yep. So you can't spit on people. He'd scream for hours and hours and finally he stopped. Oh, good. He finally pa- passed out. Thank oh, goodness. God. He was a drunk, you know? Well, he didn't pass out. His heart stopped. And it wasn't until hours later that we knew he was actually not asleep. So, Oh, dear. But, and again, it happens a lot. That episode in its entirety available right now. The link is in the show notes below. This week, though, selected for jury duty... You are Dimitri Martin, Joe Angela Santo, I hope I pronounced that right, Deborah Pidd, Candace, Stacey Barthes, Rachel Alessi, Deborah, Angie, Joanna, uh, Jane, Belinda Lane Wheat, Patrick Hawkes, Robin Izzard, Melissa, Joe Parker. Your support, all of you, means the world to me. So thank you. And thank you to all of our Patreon members. So... From the very beginning of this story being brought to my attention, there have been claims thrown around regarding failings of detectives in this case, apparent falsifying of evidence and the poor handling of the crime scene. Now at this stage, of course, I must be adamant that these claims have not been substantiated and no wrongdoing has ever been found against any of the police or detectives in this case. In fact, the under-sheriff, Michael Murphy, the man who I've tried to speak with on many occasions, stated to the media at the time that Tony's claims are baseless and that he is merely grasping at straws. However, it is important to look into these claims and to see if there might be more people other than just the man accused of this murder and his mother who believe this to be true. And to be honest, I have had multiple people back up certain claims. Okay, so I just got a ping this... Mm, Okay, he's playing it very cagey. I was given the name of someone who once worked for Livingston County. This person had dealings with Tony and the Livingston County Sheriff's Office. I managed to track them down and sent a message. And at first, they were very cautious of my approach. He's writing back. I've offered him the chance to remain anonymous. We'll see what he says here. This person has stated that under no circumstances do they wish their identity to be revealed. Because... And I quote, Don't mention me. They will kill me. Okay, so he's happy for me to... He's happy for me to use this information, just not give his name, which is fair enough. Fair enough indeed. Okay, so I've got to be careful. We can't obviously mention some of this stuff, but let's... Okay, so... Alright, so I asked him if he knew Detective And he, holy Okay, so he said Detective is dirty Always has been 
Real asshole too. Arrogant. They always win. They're never wrong. Kind of weird, huh? I can give you the background and dirt that I've seen on other fronts to show some character. That place is a sewer, rotten to the core. That place should be shut down. Okay, so he's also claiming that they used to take inmates out to work and pocketed the money. He says that had inmates work at his house for free for years, probably still does, and they call it the SWAT program. He says all of their buddies would get inmate labour. So you need to keep the pressure on. He ran that place, nothing happened without his say-so. He's a snake. Deary me. Okay, I certainly can't mention that. Covering up of numerous civil rights violations, abuse. Bro, the place is bad. None of the last dozen sergeant passed the sergeant exam. They all failed. Oh, right, okay, and now this is on Tony. This is interesting. I'm sure they f him over. So this person has made a lot of claims to me. Claims in which, for legal reasons, I can't obviously share. What I will say is, it is seemingly not just one person that is being called out. And it's not just Tony's case where this has happened. I was given the number of a person who has also had a run-in with the Livingston County Sheriff's Office, and in particular, a detective who was involved in Tony's case. Again, like so many others, he wishes to stay anonymous due to fears of backlash. He did, however, talk me through a situation whereby an officer seemingly made a case against him regarding a deceased person. After two years and a huge financial cost, this person was able to clear their name as the case was thrown out due to the severe lack of any evidence. While doing some investigation into Livingston County, I came across a change.org petition by a man claiming that he is fighting to clear up the corruption that surrounds the Livingston County Sheriff's Office. This petition comes with it a hell of a lot of comments regarding a similar situation for many people. Also, while speaking with journalist Lisa Roos Church, who covered this story at the time for the local paper, she stated, these are rumours she's heard before. I do know that I've heard those comments about some of the officers that were involved before. Right. None okay. of it has ever been proven that no, I'm aware No, no, no. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. But I know that those are common comments from some folks in the community. I don't even know if those, those detectives are still with the Sheriff's Department. Now, again, this is a small town where rumours can easily spread and could, of course, be just that. As I've stated already, no wrongdoing has ever been found against any of the people involved in this case, apart from, of course, Anthony Duke. So let's get back to Tony, who is now in court facing a sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole. It seems that the prosecution's case was again another heavily circumstantial evidence case. There is no physical evidence to place Tony at the scene of this crime. 
fact, Tony has told us that a palm print that was not his or Ron's was found on the bag of marijuana at the scene itself. Also, there were some candy wrappers and cigarette butts at a tree near where the crime happened. None of these, though, seemed to be of much concern or interest to the prosecution. However, Tony did have a number of people get up and testify against him, including members of his own family. This, of course, is not a good look. One of those people is a former friend of Tony's, who stated that Tony once said something to him which he found very alarming. Tony and I discussed this. I was also reading um, about something to do with a, a former friend of yours making a statement regarding something that you apparently said um, to him regarding the deceased. He essentially said that you, you would kill the guy for money. He couldn't remember where you said that, when you said it. The gist of what he was trying to say was that I wanted to rob him. He said that I told him I wanted to rob Ron and that I would kill him if he... And he went on to say that he thought I was crazy and moved out of my house after that and cut all ties with me, uh, which would don't even make sense because he was living at my house before I went to prison and... 2009. In 2008, we were working at the tree farm down the road from Ron's house. It's actually between my house and Ron's house, playing Santa Claus and cutting tree Christmas trees down for the people that came there on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, so I don't know where he come up with that. I didn't even know that he made any statements to police until I got my PSI, my pre-sentence investigation, which made mention of him having a police report with the detectives stating that. The first time I've seen any print of such a statement. What, what was your initial well, thoughts when you saw his name there and that he had a statement to the police? I just shook my head. Tony would later tell me that his friend would change his tune, however, when on the stand. To see my best friend of 17 years go and talk about how I made money and he was basically jealous of me making money and buying a couch and a TV that he had. But then when he got on the stand, he looked at me and mouthed that he was sorry. And he told them the truth, that we were hardworking individuals growing up, that we've always had clients and I always got business and jobs for us to do. And that we always went out to have dinner that cost $50, $75 all the time. And I looked out and helped him out more than once over the years, even before I ever came to prison. I watched what he told the police from the start changed from his testimony, but the rest of them, they couldn't even look at me. My own dad couldn't look at me. Ashley couldn't look at me. My little brother's up there bawling his eyes out crying, talking about, I was told to do this. I don't know why I'm here. I was just told I had to get up here. That he's my brother when he's around, but when he's not around, no one claims him as my brother. They, they act like we're not even related. I mean, I can give you a hundred reasons of speculation, mm. but I'm not going to sit here and stand on a speculatory response because they did the same thing. Do you think the, I don't agree with Do you think the police basically thought your father did it and because you didn't help them to put him away, they decided to put you away instead? Yeah. The, the one told me that he said I should have... I should have cooperated with Detective Klein and did what he wanted to against my dad because now 
He's gonna use everything that I gave him to clear me. He used it against me. You have one minute remaining. And that about wraps us up. Coming up in our next episode, remember Michelle, the lady police say owned the weapon that Tony used to kill Ron? Well, she's been in touch. And she wants to set the record straight. Next time on One Minute Remaining. One Minute Remaining is a Mash Pumpkin production. Hosted and produced by Jack Lawrence. Editing and sound design by Jack Lawrence and Dom Evans. This podcast is part of the ACAST Creator Network.